my name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. Uh, with both of us going in our separate directions, we held a... You know, many of us listening have a group of friends mm. uh, or loved ones where you're like, oh my God, we should always get around to doing insert group activity here. Yeah. And for us, it was the all-dress chip. Taste testing party. Taste testing party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is something that... Um, I mean, you organized the party, so everybody was praising you for it, uh, but it was my idea. It was your idea, yeah. <laughs> and our friend Alex did bring 15 bags, yeah. different bags. Different brands, yeah. Of all-dressed chips. I mean, you also showed up with six, and I had two, so there was... Thing is, though, the reason is, you go to a house party, and people put chips in a bowl, and then you eat them, and you're like, oh, ketchup, I love ketchup chips, and then you try them, and you're like, oh, this is that brand. But you don't remember which one it is because it's just mm. chips in a bowl. So it was really just a way of isolating uh, which which is the superior brand. And all all of the top five were the, like, discount brands. I recommend it to everybody. Just get a whole bunch of people over, glass of wine. Uh, we even had a small cup with coffee beans. Yep. To cleanse the nasal palate. To reset the palate, yeah. Um, and people got really into it. Tasting it's those. like... I didn't yeah. realize how critical pickled onion was to the flavor profile. There was one brand, I forget which one it is, the notes are downstairs, where it was very pickled onion forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then there was, yeah, and you want that sort of like the mustardy undertones from the barbecue sauce. You want that in there, but not too strong because one of them was too much of that. Some of them is too vinegary, too tangy. Yeah. If you're all dressed isn't tangy at all. Then it's just not all dressed. No, no. So for those who are familiar, all dress is a quite distinctly Canadian yeah. flavor profile. Well, you need uh, basically it's just you, you take the powder that they put on ketchup chips, which is mm-hmm. also uniquely Canadian. The powder they put on barbecue, the powder they put on I think sour cream and onion, and then there's one more, and then it, you just shake them all together, and then that's basically it. So any manufacturer who makes all dressed guaranteed also makes ketchup. Because you need the ketchup powder to do that. Yeah. Well, I can tell our listeners that after reviewing 15 different types of all-dressed chips, yeah. our uh, my top brand, uh, we, we blind tasted them all. And it turns out my favorite was PCs. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, a load of a load of all-dressed. Or... It was the only uh, winning rippled chip. It was the only win- winning ripple chip, and everybody had number. Everyone had that one in their top three. Oh yeah, yeah. It's very popular. So if you want an all dress chip, go for the PC. My two and three was Walmart. Yeah, the Walmart brand and a uh, great value. And the no name brand, the named brands, no any of my top five. No old Dutch name. is the the highest ranking name mm-hmm. brand, or the dark horse of the night. The one that shocked everyone was the Canadian Tire Franks brand. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it made everyone's B list, but it made everyone's B list. Mm-hmm. So that was weirdly Can't go wrong. That so that was our evening last night. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> just uh, tasting notes. Out. I actually yeah. have a notepad somewhere with tasting notes and uh, a scoring system and all that. Yeah, it was good fun. Good yeah, fun. Yeah, it was good. All right, let's move into some actual gay news because mm-hmm. you know, gay people eating all dressed chips isn't overly newsworthy. But we did want to share our recommendations. The PC brand uh, is really the way to go. Let us know. Have you had a potato chip uh, tasting party? Uh, what do you think is the best flavor? Tweet us at Talk Can Queer. Or any themed party 
that when you sit back and think about it, you think, we did that, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a moment last night when I'm like, what are we doing? Well, no, because <laughs> one of, uh, one of uh, Jake's friends showed up halfway through the night and he was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever had. And by his third chip, he was giving us. He was notes. more into it. He's like, I'm getting, I'm getting like the malt vinegar on the nose, but I'm not picking it up on the taste palate. And it's just like, I see where, I see where you're going into it. Yeah, he was, he was all in. Yeah, all in. It was great. It's a lot of fun. All right, let's uh, changing speed a little, uh, a little now. I bumped into a story on BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. They hurt. It did. Mm. Uh, Purnell Quillen is the the author behind it. Now, I'm always skeptical of a BuzzFeed story. Uh, Yes. Because... Weirdly enough, BuzzFeed is the garbage dump of the internet, but BuzzFeed News for a while there, at least about 2012 to, to 2017, they had a really good news department. Yeah, until they, I think they fired most of them. Yeah, so they, it's a, they had a purge, yeah. They gutted it. Now, the story, uh, for those who are looking for it, is I interviewed all of the boys I've ever loved, and it actually revealed a lot about my past self. Hmm. And I thought this was really interesting. So he essentially reaches out to everyone he still has contact with okay. from who he had crushes on in high school, including uh, one of his teachers. Um, you know, then through to college and, uh, you know, later on in, in, in his life, particularly in the sort of teens and 20s, hmm. and essentially gets them, if they agree, to fill in a bit of a Google form, um, okay. cover some of the questions, and then also have a bit of a video chat to talk about the results. What I found really interesting, and it's one of the things that he he mentions is, you know, he often remembers relationships about how they ended. Mm. But often that's just a tiny snapshot of yeah. of all of the days and time that you spend together. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that I was an idiot uh, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, I believe that it was you that called me an idiot uh, on, on more than one occasion. A couple of for, times. Yeah, yeah, a couple of times. Um, but I think it's important. I remember... Um, you know, the story for gay people about unrequainted love oh, yeah. is as old as time itself, you know. And I, there are some men in my life who are good friends now that I fell head over heels for. Mm. But straight as an arrow, I think one of them now has two kids. Okay. Actually, several of them now have two kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, but I think looking back, it would tell me a lot about who I was at that time through the eyes of those who I found most important to me. You know, what would an interview with some of the people that you had crushes on or dated in the 20s say about you, Sebastian? I mean, I didn't really date that much. So there's... It would be, who did I have a crush on? And I... I, I... Don't know. I mean, I think part of it was just being misguided about, you know, how much interest was reciprocated. There was definitely that. Um, but also just the, the, there's a Radiohead song actually with perfect lyrics, which is, uh, 
you know, you're looking in the wrong place, basically. That uh, I was trying to date the popular kids, and really, I am one of the characters from the IT crowd. And I probably should have been looking more closely at the nerds, because at least I would have something in common with them. And uh, there's actually, when I was uh, maybe 23 or so, a friend of mine uh, brought me around to his place. And he's like, I'm going to show you something. And he was like at this room in his apartment that had always been closed and locked. And he never let me in there. And he's like, I'm going to show you something. You have to promise to react like an adult. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, there's going to be like slings and, and whipping things in there. But nope, he opened the door and it was a rig with three monitors. And uh, one monitor was to play EverQuest. So this was the early 2000s. So there was a major video game at the time. One monitor was to run separate program to analyze EverQuest because, because there were rare drops and he mm-hmm. needed to know what was on the map at the time. And the third one was for watching Buffy. <laughs> and he had a shelf covered in figurines and he had a poster and he had like this oil, like wet on wet oil painting of like a dragon that he had commissioned that he like described the painting he wanted. And I was like, why is this a secret? Like, what's the big deal? And... And the answer was, he was a sexually active gay man, and he was like, if people knew that I was like this, then I would never get laid again. And I was like, Aww. yeah, I, he was in the closet about being a nerd. I mean, that just, I mean, since then, nerds have had a, a renaissance. Oh, yes. You know, nerds are sexy, and uh, uh, Henry Cavill is all I need to say uh, <laughs> for that one. You know, but, if, if Henry Cavill showed me his three-screen setup... Mm. This, no. this, by the way, early 2000s, a lot of people didn't even know you could plug a second monitor into your computer. Like, he had figured it out. But it was just, it was, yeah, partly it was a different time, but it was also kind of just, that kind of woke me up to, like, is this the world we're living in? Because I've just been, like, walking around, like, hey, buddy, do you like science fiction? Like, the whole time. And he, he said, like, that's one of the reasons why he was friends with me. Mm. Because he could actually talk about his interests for real. That's one of the things that I picked up in this story, which I thought was really interesting. Because he interviewed a lot of the straight guys. And uh, I so empathize with this. You know, straight guys in high school. There was one, and you know, he, he essentially wanted to find out why people liked him. Because, uh, from my understanding of the article, he's... But you know, not in the best place right now. Mm. So a good way to cheer yourself up is to look at where you have excelled and exceeded and done well elsewhere in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done really well here. Maybe I can take some of those best practices and lessons, bring them forward. How cool was I in high school? Um, you know, and that's one of the things that jumps out at me is. You know, there were so many straight guys I had crushes on that hung out with me and spent time with me. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, why would you, why would you hang out with me? You're, <laughs> like, why are we, why are we chilling? This doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, I think finding out that you built friendships uh-huh. and that perspective from the other side, that people found you to be interesting. Uh-huh. Like that man felt that you were worth talking to and getting to know because you were openly excited about fantasy and so on. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's that's empowering to see yourself 
reflected well in other people's eyes. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, I think there's something really exciting about, am I going to Google survey all of my exes? First of all, that would hit the submission limit, I think, for, uh-huh. <laughs> for Google. Um, but I don't know, what do you think of the idea? Do you think it's worth, you know, doing? Well, yeah, um, it kind of relates to another story that I was reading that I wasn't sure if I was going to bring up, but whatever, it ties into it. There was a survey that came out of Harvard where there was a, uh, a PhD student there doing uh, basically their, their thesis work where she went around campus interviewing people. And this is a classic psych experiment where what you think you're being experimented on is different from the real experiment. The real experiment was that she had either chocolate or lipstick on her face. And while she was studying, like just asking them questions about whatever, the real question was how many of them would say to her, you got something on your face, by the way. And it turned out to be 2.6% of people. And then the follow-up interview after she concluded, by the way, this is what's really happening, is how would you feel about honest impact, uh, honest advice on that kind of thing? You know, uh, just things like your, your hair is out of place or that shirt is too tight on you or, you know, you've got a, a tear in the crotch of your jeans, that kind of thing. And people underestimate how much other people welcome hearing that and how many people prefer hearing that and because like years ago I had this one friend where I remember I was hanging out with him and and we were just chatting and I said by the way you're not fat but in that shirt you are Mm -hmm. and people eavesdropping were scandalized by my comment but this friend was like I have been wondering about that when I put this shirt on in the morning I wasn't sure I saw my reflection I was like it's a nice shirt is it nice on me now I know I'm not going to wear this anymore because he was a very attractive guy, just not in that shirt. He wasn't. And we actually, we were kind of friends before, but we ended up hanging out a lot more after that because there was something about that, like, honest connection. And that was like, that's the difference between, you know, a, an acquaintance and a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, a friend's yeah. got your back. A friend will say to you, you're not leaving the house with your hair looking like that. You're looking at me right now. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm looking at you right now because you're the only one in the room. But like, yeah, and luckily I'm not. Le- I'm not going anywhere, so my yes. hair can remain a um, a mess. Actually, I was on a video call with a family, and my hair had frizzed out. I have I have uh, wavy curly hair. Yeah, and uh, the, you know, shortly after I shower, it just goes super frizzy, and then my stepfather took the camera around the house to show everybody my hair. To lots of shocked and awe expressions, mm-hmm. like I was a, a you know a bleeding exhibit. <laughs> like, and I think but, I remember back when you lived with friend of the show Heather. Mm-hmm. That one time, if I remember the story correctly, you were about to leave the apartment, and she stopped you, and she was like, "No, change your shirt." Probably there was something like that. I don't. I don't yeah. remember that exactly. But you're absolutely right. <laughs> I think finding friends that are willing to. Really look out for your best interests. You yeah. know, there is a, a an assumption of... And risk. And, and, yeah. and, and risk having an argument, mm-hmm. you know? People don't want to be rude, yeah. generally. People don't want to be invasive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, leaning in on that and saying, like, look, you know, your hair is distracting today. Yeah. Um, put a hat on or put a bit of product. Mm-hmm. That means that your friend who you've told that to can now function throughout their life <laughs> with a bit more ease. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it deepens that relationship. I think the moral of the story from what I'm getting, from what you've told me, from what this article has told yeah. me, is 
I thought, and I started the show today, is, you know, I was an idiot in my 20s. But there were moments mm. of when I was that age where I was the coolest person I know. And I'm not saying that, you know, to stroke my own ego. I, you know, I was genuinely enthusiastic, happy, mm. energetic, fun to be around. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good to zero in on those moments and be like, okay, cool. How can I bring some of that back to where I'm at now? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, create those deeper connections. All right, we're jumping to our first track. This is, uh, you know what? The soundtrack to the all-dressed taste test party yeah. was lesbian folk it was. music. So it was. this is Tracy Chapman, Give Me One Reason. And we will be back just after this. Give me one reason to stay here And I'll turn right back around Oh, I turn right back around 
Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. My name is Sebastian. Do you Actually, think? Welcome do, back. I suppose. Welcome back. Yes. Yeah. Do you, Do you think this microphone is strong enough to pick up all the horny birds outside your window? There is a lot of chittering yeah. outside. I needed I needed a bit of cool air given the amount of wine I had last night. Yes. And um, yeah, they're very chatty birds. And very you, chatty. If you know your Eastern Ontario songbirds, then you would recognize that as being a horny uh, red-winged blackbird, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. obviously means that we are located near a river. This is true. Yes. We're quite prominently near a <laughs> yes. river. Yeah, absolutely. They are very noisy. Um, when we're out in the garden, it's a cacophony of sounds. It really is, which is nice yes. compared to yes. many folks who live in the city. And and uh, actually, Jake mentioned my partner. Jake mentioned something last night. He was asking about. Um, he uses like the the our smart device. I won't say her name because she's listening. Yes. Um. She, he uses uh, our smart device to play ocean sounds as a bit of a white noise. Mm-hmm. And he explained it, he, you know, he asked, you know, are you okay if I play this this ocean sounds? For me, I'm not bothered. Yeah. I do get annoyed at the amount of noise pollution occasionally, and I just want to, just a little bit of quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he grew up in Hanoi, which is one of the biggest, you know, the, the capital of Vietnam, mm-hmm. right in the middle of the city. And the lack of noise kept him awake. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I grew up in small towns, you know. Little bit of bird chatter, little bit of traffic. Yep, yep. You know, best of both worlds. What about yourself? Do you need noise or silence to sleep? Well, the the house that I grew up in it wasn't near train tracks, but when the wind was right, you could hear the the ding 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 of the trains going by. And then uh, when I lived in Japan, I lived near a train uh, a switching station, and multiple times I've actually lived near train tracks. The the kachunk chunk of of trains going by is very soothing to me. This is a very onomatopoeic episode. <laughs> Just, who knew? Who knew? But yeah, no, I definitely understand um, uh, where Jake is coming from. Like when I lived in Toronto, I lived on uh, a train. Bloor. Oh, okay. Like, and when I say on Bloor, like the the my window was over Bloor Bloor Street. I, wow. we, uh, we had an apartment over a Greek coffee shop, and uh, I just not having street noises kind of bothers me when people say, you know, they want to move to the suburbs where it's quiet and you don't hear your neighbors. I'm like, but then how do you know you're alive? (laughs) How do you know they're alive? (laughs) Yes. Um, Anyway, moving on to more gay news. Um, The Toronto Star, I mean, I I have opinions on the Toronto Star, but I won't get into it. But I will read you this headline, which I think exemplifies my opinions. Mm -hmm. Removal of Church Street's Alexander Wood statue in near secrecy, mm-hmm. welcome but complicated. Okay. And I think they call it at the, the the under a cloak of secrecy on Monday. Okay. These uh, things were removed. Now we had mentioned uh, a couple of months ago that 
So Alexander Wood was born in 1972. He died in 1844. He was considered to be... He owned the land in Toronto, which is now where the gay village is. Mm -hmm. Um, He was a renowned homosexual. Okay. um, And he did many other things. Uh, In particular, he was accused of investigating the genitals of those who had committed sexual offences. Okay. Like, as a magistrate, he would require a physical examination in the 1800s to find out if anything had gone Okay, okay. Um, Which everyone listening to knows that's utterly ridiculous, especially in the context of the 1800s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With with medical training, I mean, that's that's what a rape kit is, basically. today's science, maybe that's a rape kit today. Yes, but that's not... 1830-something in... You know, yeah. the the bog waters of Toronto at the Before time. Before Florence Nightingale started saying to people, hey, how about soap? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back before soap. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he he fought in the War of 1812. He did, he did a whole bunch of things. And it was interesting. One of the things in this article really notes that, you know, the gay village has been a queer piece of land mm-hmm. for over a hundred years. And gay folks have lived there mm-hmm. since, you know, um, Alexander Wood bought it. Now, the Church Street BIA, Business Improvement uh, Association, mm-hmm. uh, they essentially, without any consultation, warning or wisdom, um, put up the statue. Yes. They literally put Alexander Wood on a pedestal. Yes. A massive granite pedestal. And to be fair, it was there was a park that they had already purchased from the city so there was a, a plot of land it, it's it's more like a park cat it's one of those like little five meter by five meter leftover spaces between all weird shaped city uh, yeah it's like the road is just a bit over to the side and like, it's a big gap between yeah, yeah. the road and the building so you may yeah. as well just throw a bench in a tree there it, it's that kind of park and then in the i think it was the 70s they just put a statue there it was already their park it was the bia's park it wasn't I mean, I guess the city was part of it. But anyway, yeah, it was the the BIA's part. I don't think it was the 70s. I think it was, I want to say, like, 2018 or 19 or something. 2005. There we go. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking, I I don't remember that statue not being there. But yeah, yeah, if it's 2005, maybe. Okay, yeah. So they they installed a statue at at, uh, 2005. You know, it's near Wood Street, named after Alexander Mm -hmm. Wood. It's near Alexander Street, named after Alexander Wood. It's it's very prominent. But yes, they they decided it should go there, and they put it there. Yeah. Well, um, in a, and I quote, cloak of secrecy, Mm -hmm. uh, they have now taken it back down again. Okay. Um, there is, they, they uh, two, three quarters of the BIA board have undergone anti-racism training. Mm-hmm. They have undergone anti-indigenous discrimination training. Mm-hmm. And they realized that Alexander Wood's history, because not only did he do all of these great things for the queer community, mm-hmm. he also... Um, Raised, rose, raised, raised money. Completely blanking on how to say uh, phrase that. Uh Um, He raised money for the at the time Indian mission schools, uh, including the Saint John's Missionary to the Ojibwe in eighteen thirty two, which then became the Shingwak Industrial Home, which then became the Mm. Shingwak Residential School. Mm. So Alexander Wood through. 
you know, the Society for the Converting and Civilizing of the Indians and Propagating the Gospel Among the Destitute Settlers in Upper Canada. Okay. Um, actual thing he was involved in quite, okay. quite significantly. Um, yeah, it's a... He... Yeah, he helped to found actual residential schools. Mm. And uh, the BIA didn't and know? With a name like that, it's pretty unambiguous as to what's happening as well. Because the, the first, very first number one residential school was founded by the Mohawk, but then it was seized by the church. And then it when they were like, oh, great idea, let's run with this. So, I mean, with a name like that, you know at what point in history... This was not just let's educate children that are spread out over the countryside where it takes three days to get here from their home, so we may as well set up a bed for them. This is this is something else. But yeah, this is uh yeah. Yeah, no, that that seems fair to, to, to... Yeah, so the the BIA uh, issued a letter to the mayor of Toronto, John Tory, yep. saying, uh, and I quote it has come to light that Alexander Wood was a founding board member and for many years the treasurer for the Society of so on and so forth. Mm. Um, and they demand the removal of the statue. Now, actually, I think the Toronto Star deserves um, some kind of award for this fantastic quote from the local councilwoman, uh, Wong Tan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll, I'll read the quote here. They were demanding the city remove it until we reminded them they own it. Uh-huh. And uh, I went, went on to say, I asked them if they involved members of the indigenous community, and they confirmed that they did. Mm. Essentially, the BIA, who in a cloak of secrecy, without mm. almost no consultation, put the statue there. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2005, there was no Google, okay. I think, because they didn't know this information when they installed a statue prominently in the BIA. I think it just, not all the information was available online yet. Would have been another way. Of oh, it. evident. I don't know. Yeah. I think they need to critically think about the research they do before installing a statue. I think he just kind of falls into the same header as like you know the the sort of like Canadian equivalent to Lincoln in the states, where you know complicated man. You know, oh, Jefferson, who had you know, six hundred slaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, somebody who owned slaves, but was also paradoxically anti-slavery, or at mm-hmm. least pro. Um, I wouldn't say human rights, civil rights, because it's a very modern terminology, but like the 18th century equivalent, mm. you know, that, you know, you can own a slave, but at least treat them with dignity and, and stop raping and whipping them, you know, like that kind of, they were good for their time, but like by modern standards, like no bueno, you know? I think it's interesting you say that because in the 1830s and the 1840s, you know, in in the aristocracy in, in, in Canada, let's mm. be honest, you know, there was a lot of people who were involved in fundraising for these missionaries and, yeah. and residential what became residential schools mm-hmm. because that was a depro- deplorable mm. moment in Canadian history. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, all of those folks by today's standards would be, you know, deplorable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does that mean we forgive and forget? Absolutely not. Let's hold them accountable. Yeah. But I will hold the Church Street Barrier BIA accountable for not doing the research beforehand yeah. and now suddenly realizing maybe they did a bit of a snafu. And uh, anyway, they demanded the city of Toronto remove it. The city of Toronto said, you put it there, you move it. Yeah. 
And uh, the only thing, the only thing that the BIA has mentioned about the statue publicly, having refused to have done interviews, mm. is in March 2022, they issued an update on their website which said, we have had training mm-hmm. and uh, they're looking at removing the statue. And then they had another update and I will read it because it will take me 10 seconds. Mm. As of April 2022, the Alexander Wood statue has been removed. <laughs> uh-huh. End of sentence. End of sentence. Now, it's interesting because the a photo circulated online of the statue literally in a dumpster. And I think there are some people who have been critical of that because the artist that designed the statue yeah. and built it has since now moved on, uh, passed on, not moved yeah. on, probably both actually. Yeah. But, you know, but the family of that artist... You know, that's incredibly disrespectful to the artistic work of curating the statue mm-hmm. to literally shove it in a dumpster. Um, I don't know. It seems like this BIA is making quick and swift decisions without really talking to to too much in the community. Yeah. But at the same time, I do not believe that opening this up to a community debate would have been the right move. Yeah, because you get mob justice. Like, there, there's... The idea of having, you know, the lower house and the upper house where, like, the one is the electorate and the other is more... I mean, it doesn't have to be the House of Lords, but, like, people... Oh, the Senate. Or, yeah. yeah, people who are there for a long period of time whose job is to think about things deeply and not care about re-election versus people who are the representatives of the people. I like that balance uh, because otherwise, if it's just pure democracy, it can turn into mob justice really quickly and sometimes the mob hasn't read everything. I also think if we had opened up, I say we, if the BIA had opened up what to do about the Alexander Wood statue, there are definitely some folks there who like the statue. It's a very flouncy statue. I liked visually that statue and some of the stories tied to it. And, but do we literally put that person on a pedestal? I think if that had been a big open public debate, it Mm. would have been messy. Yeah it would have dragged the BIA further through the mud. Mm-hmm. This was a quick in, quick out, pff, job done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call it a day, move on, yeah. and uh, close that chapter in their, in their messy statue-installing history. So, yes. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I think I, as much as I, I love the phrasing from the Toronto Star about cloak of secrecy, uh-huh. I actually think it may have been the right move. I definitely... <sighs> There have been a few people out of the UK who say, if you have problematic statues, leave the statue there and update the plaque. You know, acknowledge that the person was complicated uh, or that they, they were doing things that were considered appropriate in their own period of history while also acknowledging that by today's standards, it's, you know, we, we do not condone that kind of behavior anymore. And really, in general, it's hard to put statues up to anyone because... Everyone is complicated and everyone fits into their time period in some way. Like, there are very few statues. Like, like the, the statue to Queen Bodokai in London, I think, is probably unproblematic because it acknowledges outright that she was kind of genocidal, but mm. genocidal against Roman invaders. So, I mean, this is... Obviously, Queen Bodokai is really a deep cut, but still... It, it's... That is a bit of a deal. <laughs> yeah. We've got Queen Bordecai fans in the audience going like, yes, yes. She's a cool lady. You should she read about her. Lady, but it, yeah. but the, it's really hard to make a statue to anyone without 
having it be complicated unless you acknowledge in the statue or in the literature or on the plaque or whatever, on the plinth, that this was a complicated person. Because that, no one's an angel. And it's hard to make statues to anyone, really. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, jump to a, the next track. This is The Spaces In Between by the unbelievably talented Amanda Room, a big fan, uh, came to Ottawa and performed at the NAC. Actually, um, a whole bunch of names performing. I was talking to Jake about it, thinking about going to go see Irish Mythen because mm. I adore Irish Mythen. And uh, they had a show on a Wednesday. And Jake's like, who has shows on a Wednesday? At the NAC, they do. They do. But because we have been starved of live (laughs) entertainment for so long that they are filling in these shows any moment in time that they can Mm. uh, to kind of get through that backlog and and give people uh, the artists they want to see. All right, let's jump to Amanda's spaces in between. We will be back just
and welcome back to Cangway, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. Are you aware of the Equal Rights Coalition? No. Well, not explicitly. Well, it, it's such a it generic It sounds name. vague enough that everyone should just be aware of it. Equal yeah. Rights Coalition? That sounds right. Is that the one with Jesse Jackson? No, that's is, the Rainbow Coalition. Like, yeah, it's just... Wait, is that the one with... Um, who did Cindy Lauper? Is that Cindy Lauper's one? Yeah. No, no, she's True Colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's kind of a no, generic name. Absolutely. Yeah. So the Equal Rights Coalition is a collaboration of about 41 member states. We're talking about governments. So the Equal Rights Coalition... States like nation states. Nation states, okay. yeah. Not US states. People okay. get so confused, but only the Americans that, call themselves states. It's the Americans' fault. It's all the Americans. The rest of the world, we know that New Zealand and Zimbabwe are states. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yes. So it is a, a massive coalition around equal rights, specifically LGBT. Uh, human rights, mm. and Canada has been pivotally involved in this for many years. In 2018, I don't know if you recall this, but in Vancouver in 2018, they held the international conference, uh, the kind of global conference by this Equal Rights Coalition, mm-hmm. the Leaving No One Behind conference, the global conference. I do remember that. Exactly. Yeah. So due to the pandemic, the Equal Rights Coalition has been co-chaired by the United Kingdom mm-hmm. and Argentina for an extended period of time of about three years. Okay. And every time anyone is talking to Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of, of Britain, um, or the, the, the Conservative government in the UK, what are you going to do under your leadership of the Equal Rights Coalition? Mm-hmm. They are saying, we are going to hold the biggest, first world LGBT conference in London this June during Pride. Mm. They were very excited. Uh-huh. I say were in the past tense. Yes, yes. Because I this can guess has, where this is going, yes. This has been a a a cluster of things. Yes. Um wasn't necessarily gonna go there with my phrasing, but mm-hmm. it's been an absolute mess. So let's first all step back a little bit. Last week we mentioned that the United Kingdom was, after promising since 2018 to ban conversion therapy they were going to ban conversion therapy, but they've decided that conversion therapy against trans people is a-okay. Mm-hmm. Now, the British Medical Association, the UK Council for Psychotherapy, and the Royal College of Physicians all have called it incredibly damaging and mm-hmm. urged the government to ban conversion therapy of trans people. Mm-hmm. Um they've said that it is it, first of all it's it's bunk like it doesn't yeah. work there's no evidence that conversion therapy works but what there is evidence of is massive traumatic impacts yes. from this conversion therapy mm-hmm. suicide ideation through the roof it's just it's not a good time we know it doesn't work we know it's harmful you were going to ban it all mm-hmm. of a sudden you've changed your mind mm-hmm. and the british royal college of physicians which is amongst you know, the best in the world. When people yeah. think of medical excellence, that's who you think of. Um, yeah, they all think the Conservative government is uh, a couple of screws loose here with this particular decision. In fact, really interesting story. They were initially going to ban it also for trans folks and mm-hmm. then change their mind. And I think I mentioned that Wales, one of the devolved governments in the UK, was looking at 
how can we do ban it anyway yeah. in yeah, Wales? Yeah. And uh, there was an interesting article, Boris Johnson's U-turn on trans conversion therapy mm. has led to a spike in the independence movement in Wales. Okay. Because they are just outraged that this thing that's clearly damaging has just been U-turned by this conservative government in, in London. Um, There's... I. I've been hearing news about this for a while. That this is more from the the science journalism side of things, and less from the LGBTQ side of things. But people have been complaining about the UK medical system for a while, in in the sense of how tolerant they are of alternative medicines, especially alternative medicines that have proven to be outright harmful. So Canada and to a lesser degree the US are kind of permissive of alternative medicines like chiropractic whereas in the uk they they full out encourage it like mm-hmm. they they treat chiropractic as a full medicine that has no death rate and is perfectly fine uh which is me being sarcastic because a, a deep tissue massage is actually better for you than chiropractic according to multiple studies this is not just me talking up my butt mm-hmm. okay so this is yeah no it's it's it is bunk it is a bunk methodology and well i i there's a lot of chiropractors out there and i think they may be a little upset if, yeah i don't if care if i upset them because okay. it's bunk it's bunk all right we might i might need you to source that for next <laughs> week. um but let's let's uh, the reason why i started off with the equality coalition and this massive conference mm. that uh the conservative government has been putting a lot of money and more more importantly a lot of limelight on okay so the government's decision to reverse on conversion therapy has led to the consortium of stronger LGBT communities. And one of the things that this consortium has done is rallied the troops pretty much mm. to abandon this conference. And I'll read a, um, a, a certain element of it here. Trans rights are human rights and we stand shoulder to shoulder with every trans organization and every trans person on this matter The UK government's own data shows that trans people are more likely to be subjected to so-called conversion therapy, with data showing even higher risk for black trans people. A ban that excludes trans people is unacceptable, and as an LGBT sector, we must must, uh, have our voices heard. Stonewall, which is the largest LGBT organization in the country, in the UK, Mm -hmm. goes even further... Um, and uh, and essentially says, you know, we regret that we're withdrawing from the conference. Mm-hmm. So the largest LGBT organization in the country pulls out of the conference mm-hmm. and takes with it a hundred and twenty plus other LGBT organizations. Mm-hmm. Pretty much name a town, and their pride has pulled out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Kite Trust, which is a major HIV organization, pulled out. Mm-hmm. The Rainbow Project, um, um, Pride Cymru, which is the national pride organization in Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely loads of them have pulled out. It is, it is a li- it's 120. I don't have time to go over all of them, but it's, it's substantial. And they have essentially gutted yeah. this conference. Well, I mean... I think it's more effective to show up and protest than to not be there. But I mean, that's that's just differences of opinion on how to do politics. But something that I think they should probably look into is instead of 
trying to piecemeal ban this kind of conversion therapy and that kind of conversion therapy and that kind of conversion therapy. What they really should be doing is trying to ban operand training. And that is the underlying principle behind it, which is basically you shock somebody or give them noxious chemicals. Basically, you, you mildly torture someone every time they think a certain thought or do a certain thing or, or whatever. That association of like shock or pain or poison to a given emotional or mental state or thought, that linking, um, that practice should be banned across the board in all situations mm -hmm. because it kind of just doesn't work in general for a whole range of things that they've been using it for. If they just ban that underlying practice, it will cascade through a whole bunch of things. A lot of things will fall into place instead of just banning this instance of it and that instance of it. They really should just and the practice. Yeah, and a lot of MPs and others have essentially said there is no logic here yeah. in why it's not happening. Yeah. You know, I understand what you're saying, you know, maybe protest instead of, uh, of abandoning it, but, you know, the Terrence Higgins Trust, which is one of the most effective HIV organizations in the world, mm. um, and uh, Stonewall are like, we don't want to validate it. Mm. We don't want to give Boris Johnson and the Conservative government a national, an international platform about being woohoo so good on LGBT rights and equality, mm. when in the same breath they are choosing to maintain a system that allows trans conversion therapy, mm -hmm. even when the Canadian, uh, the, the, the British uh, Royal Society of Physicians is like, this is a waste of everybody's time and incredibly damaging. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I agree. I think this was the right move because now the Boris, Conf uh, Boris Johnson's Conservative government has scrapped the Safer to Be uh, conference okay. and uh, is now left empty-handed at the end of their chairship of this uh, massive international coalition. Um, you know, I think it was a good accountability move hmm. by these organizations because you can't sit on a pedestal as we noted earlier yeah. um, and not be not be held accountable and I think this is this has effectively done that. Hmm. Well we will keep an eye on other stories as they develop. Um, very quickly Qatar has said that they will confiscate pride flags for those attending the World Cup to protect you. Okay. <laughs> we wouldn't want folks to be identifiable uh -huh. um, or expressing a sorry identifiable um, that's that's the, the line I'm going with um, so yes they are confiscating pride flags for your own protection in Qatar during the uh, World Cup flags are weird because wasn't there a rule there used to be a rule in Eurovision that you could only fly the flag of a country that was currently in Eurovision yeah, and it's gone a bit haywire since then. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just all kinds like, of flags. Like, if Latvia didn't make it into the finals that year, you cannot bring a Latvian flag. Like, rules like that, that after a while, people are like, that's, that's weird. But also, people started bringing pride flags, and, and they, they got real lax. But yeah, the, the politics behind literal flag waving mm -hmm. is uh, kind of interesting and complicated. Absolutely. Well, we are playing out with our last track of the, game, uh, the day, which is Catherine Fisher with And Again. That's why I stumbled the first time. Mm -hmm. So this is And Again by Catherine Fisher. I'm Nick Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And